Hello and welcome back to another edition of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. This episode will feature my conversation with Heather Lip. Heather is a Colorado-based wine enthusiast. She runs a blog called 10,000 Bottles. And she recently produced and published a book with her husband called Is There Apple Juice in My Wine? 38 Laws That Might Affect the Wine That You Drink. Uh, We'll get into that book in a bit, but uh, her blog is called uh, 10K Bottles or 10,000 Bottles. And it's kind of a play on the the expression about how you need 10,000 hours to master something. For example, a musical instrument, you you need 10,000 hours of uh, practice. So it's kind of play on words with needing 10,000 bottles. So we chat about her blog a little bit. We chat about her book uh, quite a bit. And we actually start off chatting about a wine party she had recently to try and work on some of the laws that affect how we we uh, serve wine and how we we deal with wine. And in Colorado, they have a, a lack of uh, corkage laws. So she just recently had a party on that uh, topic at a big dinner party. And uh, that's where our conversation starts. Let's get right into it. Yeah, Yeah. we had a big party last night. Oh, nice. I think I saw something. Did you you post about it? I did, yeah. So in, where are you from? Remind me. Vancouver. Okay, so uh, in Colorado, you can't bring wine into a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Corkage. Yeah, and so we're trying to change it. So we had a big party last night to try and, you know, get the word out and sort of start to assemble something to try and, make that change so you can actually bring wine into restaurants in Colorado. Well, that'd be cool if you could, right? Yeah. Yeah. We had a a pretty good turnout. Drank a lot of wine, got a lot of wine glasses to clean this morning. (laughs) (laughs) My wife's, my wife's the type that we don't go to bed with, we don't mind dirty glasses and stuff, but we don't leave food out. You know, people, some people will go to bed and there's like food out and stuff. Yeah. It's like, no, bare minimum, the food goes away. Uh, you know, we try and at least collect all the glasses and, and cause that's the, the last thing you want to do when you're hungover is like you said, you have to go around the house and clean and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, it kind of, I think it depends on the, the time the party ends. You know, I think our party ended at uh, one thirty, two o'clock, you know, in the morning, like I'm not cleaning the house at that point. <laughs> like I'm done. I'm going to bed Yeah. and I'm waking up and I'm going to deal with it later. We'll worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We try to do a little bit and then, you know, we kind of let it go at that point yeah after a while you're just like yeah it's not gonna happen yeah exactly yeah (laughs) so congratulations on the book thank you thank you very much yeah we're really excited about it yeah yeah have you um i'm guessing you've been kind of pushing a little bit and getting a little bit of notoriety on it and kind of throwing it out there a bit yeah yeah you know we've certainly been pushing it on social media and doing all those types of things you know we have a pretty big collection of wine loving friends uh so, you know, we threw a party, um, a book release party and did that. We've um, reached out to a lot of, you know, our, the wine lovers that we know, a lot of winemakers, things like that. I'm not expecting this to be a New York Times bestseller, but it's, you know, if you're a wine lover, I, we, you know, we think it's a, just a fun, fun read. It, it's, it's like you said, it's, it appeals to certain geeks and people who kind of, there's, there's people who love a lot of things about wine and these kind of things, like these little idiosyncrasies, uh, I'm thinking, especially like we we're just talking about corkage and stuff, right? Like trying mm-hmm. to, trying to. There's certain laws out there that, for for whatever reason, they still exist, and 
they're they're it's interesting because you put them all in one book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, like especially so. For example, the carrying your wine, carrying your wine around in a restaurant, or carrying your wine outside or whatever that those kind mm-hmm. of laws. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was interesting. And I'll be honest, I don't I don't recall if this is I don't know if this is actually true, but we were just discussing this last night in California. You can bring wine into a restaurant, but you can't carry it out. And it's just I mean, so we're here, you can't bring wine into a restaurant, but you can carry it out. And it's just how much all of that affects our behavior is it's so interesting to me. Yeah. So what we were on holidays in, uh, in the UK in the summer. And when I'd been there a few years before that, no problems in London, no problems walking around. You can walk outside, have a cigarette, bring your bottle, bring your glass of, of beer or whatever with you, uh, come back inside. In Scotland, they seem to be a little more concerned, but but you can still walk around with stuff. And mm-hmm. I just referenced that because in Vancouver, I always thought that that was something that had gone away because I knew back, back say, 10, 15 years ago, they would make you, they would walk if you were... For example, if you're waiting for a table and you were in the bar section and you're having a glass of, you know, you're having a, a glass of wine or whatever, and then your table became available, they would walk the, the stuff with you. They would walk it over. Over for uh, you. you. Over for you. And I never thought about it. And then one day um, we were in a restaurant and we were waiting for a table and we were at the bar and they still did it. They still walked it over for you. And I thought, man, this is something from, from 20 years ago. It's, yeah. still, it's still around though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this absurd law in Colorado um, where if you serve alcohol, you have to serve sandwiches, Hmm. not burritos, not pizza, sandwiches. You have to have sandwiches on your menu. I mean, it's just, it's just an esoteric old law that's been sitting there for years. Yeah. That one we're not trying to clean up. I'm not too worried about the sandwich law, but, um, but yeah, the wine in restaurants is a big, it's a big deal for us. Yeah. Corkage. And is it Colorado where you can't take it across the border? There's, um, I don't know about the, that one. I know um, I follow the Brook Blend on Instagram as well. Uh-huh. And she always talks about she has to go one state over to pick up her pick up her wine because they won't ship into her wherever she, she, she from is. Utah? I think so, maybe. She might be from Utah. I mean, I I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, she might be she might be Utah. Which is crazy that in Utah you can bring your wine into restaurants. They do have corkage. Why? You know, Utah is one of the most restrictive alcohol laws out there, but yet there you can do it. So Colorado is behind Utah in this on alcohol in corkage. Yeah. Huh. It's an interesting read, and and um, it's it's funny. Like a lot of your a lot of your things is great because it's like you know it, the whole um, you know apple juice and wine or it's funny because I went to a tasting once and the guy, the guy says he still has people come up to him in, at the tastings and ask them how many apples are in this wine. <laughs> you know, um, especially ones that really like Riesling or something that you can really taste. You really taste that apple kind of, you know, um, something like Riesling or something where you really, and he's and they, they would ask him how many apples are in here. Right. So it's still, it's, it's funny because we, you know, those who are quote unquote in the know know it's only grapes, but well, it should be only grapes. It should right? be only grapes, and that and then that goes grapes. to your your whole topic on uh, you know what else is in there. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's, a, it's it's incredible what else they can put in. 
and that there's no ingredient list on the back. Yeah. You know, very, very few wineries uh, actually go ahead and put that list on. The only thing I can think of is with sulfites and with things like uh, egg, you know, the egg, um, you know, sometimes they put may contain egg. Yep. Or, you know, or uh, something along those lines because then obviously if people have allergies and stuff, then they, they or especially like severe allergies. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I can think of that you would find sometimes on there. Find on the back. Yep. Yeah. I don't. What do they call that with the egg? What do you mean with it when they're using it for the finding? Yeah. So they they yep. they, they call it something that may contain egg byproducts or egg egg something. Egg something. Yeah. Egg shells or. Yeah. Or egg whites because they use egg whites for. It. Yeah. How did you get into this idea anyway? Like, I know your your husband's quite involved, obviously as well. But how did you guys kind of decide? This was this was something that we wanted to do. So the story goes, we were in Santa Barbara drinking wine one day. We were doing a you know the the wine tasting um, in one of the one of the cities, and we were talking to or we were commenting on uh, the fact that one of the wines that we were drinking was was really hot. Like it just tasted like it just had too much alcohol. And when we looked at the bottle, it didn't have that much alcohol in it. So we go to another tasting room and we taste another wine that's well balanced we look at the bottle and had 15 percent alcohol and we're like what the hell like that's kind of weird and the pourer starts telling us about how yeah those are kind of made up numbers i mean they have to keep it um correct uh for taxes so there's a there is a threshold of where it has to be correct above above or below but other than that there's some portion of it that's kind of marketing like it's a like it's, it's like a degree and a half that they can kind of fudge the numbers up or down and, uh, and so my husband and I are like, is that true? And then we go and we start telling him, you know, about how you can, if you, if you label the bottle properly, you can have, um, it can be up to 49% fermented apple juice in it. And he's like, there's no way that's right. And so we kind of, we kind of, you know, talking through all these various urban legends and myths or things we've heard that you can do in the wine industry that you don't have to disclose, kind of going back and forth on it and, uh, and continue to drink more wine. So the next morning we wake up pretty hungover and we start talking about this again and we start writing some of them down. And my husband, who's a lawyer, is like, I'm a lawyer. I can look this up. And that's how it started. I mean, I want to say that day we wrote down 20 of the various topics that ended up in the book. And he just sat down, wrote them up. Hmm. And uh, I mentioned it to you. I mentioned this to you before. You know, he wrote them up and I made them funny. Like, I, you know, he did all the hard work. I just went in there and I tried to make it as least dry as you can make. Um, as you a, can a, make book a, a, a book of a, a, a law book, right? <laughs> Um, and, but that's, and that's kind of just how it started. You know, we just slowly put it all together, um, wrote and rewrote and eventually published it. It was great. It's that's a fun cool. book. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I like it. And I think, um, I think for those people who are, you know, uh, like I said, passionate about wine and just interested about these little nuances, I think, I think they would appreciate something like this. So how did just to change topic slightly, how did you, where did your passion for wine come from in the first place? Uh, so let's see, what year is it now? It's 2019. So 20, 2006, I think. Uh, I moved, I currently live in Colorado. I was living in Colorado. I moved to California for a job. And right at that time, I just started making enough money where I could afford wine. And I found out that I had celiacs. So I can't have wheat, which means I can't drink beer. Mm. 
I just started dating my now husband. And so we were doing this long distance relationship thing. And so he came out to California a lot to visit me. I was living in San Francisco. And so we spent a lot of weekends up in Napa and Sonoma. And so we just fell in love, in love with wine together. And it's just, you know, slowly just become a, a bit of a passion for us. That's cool. I mean, yeah. obviously living in that area, that's, it definitely helps. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, what a great place to learn about and fall in love with wine. And at that point, the, the prices weren't astronomical. You know, they're, they've, they've definitely climbed up since. So it was a, it was a good time. It was a good time for wine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a good point because especially for like Napa cabs and stuff as they, as, uh, you know, supply and demand and everything else in the world, they, the prices seem to be constantly going up with that. But mm -hmm. it, it's funny though, that I've started personally, I've started to discover other regions that prices are still not so bad. And yeah. you kind of, you start finding, um, not alternatives, but just other sources, I guess you could say. I totally agree. We, you know, we've done trips to, I think every single U S major U S wine region out there. And I mean, we've just found, had some, found some great places like Walla Walla, Washington. It's fantastic. We actually had a bottle of, uh, sleight of hand sellers. They have this bottle that has Neil Patrick Harris on it. Um, we had a few bottles of that one last night. I mean, everybody loved it. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a, small producer, great wines. I mean, and it's not $150 like most yeah. of what's coming out of Napa these days. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, especially up in BC, there's, there's a lot of really cool small producers that, uh, we get behind. And, uh, I'm even just thinking like internationally as well, just discovering, you know, Chilean wines and mm -hmm. discovering, you know, Spanish wines and, and just everything else is out there right now that, uh, is a little bit better, you know, uh, bang for your buck, I guess you could say. Yep. Yeah. I think the quality is typically a lot better at a lower price point when you're getting it imported. Yeah. And then it's amazing. And when you actually go to those countries and you see how cheap it is there, of course. Yeah. You know, it's, you have these great French wines and are 10 euro, 15 yeah. euro. And you come back here and they're $50, which uh, even at $50, they're still inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's uh, cousin lives in Provence. So a couple of years ago we went there and, uh, and did a road trip through France and yeah, hit, getting rosés for like three euros and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it, uh, I, when I had Madeline on from Winefall, she says, uh, that obviously people in Canada must be very passionate about wine because the, the amount of tax that we have on our wines up here is ridiculous. So, because you guys must be really passionate because you're willing to spend a lot of money that you know is not going anywhere but tax, right? <laughs> so it's, not, it's yeah. not going back to the producer it's it's you know it's going to the government yeah that's funny yeah yeah washington state's cool too i there there's some good wines down there yeah yeah especially yep, yep. I, i'm a big i like merlots merlots and cabs and there's some good stuff coming out of washington and of course pinots in in oregon in oregon yeah i'm a big pinot fan yeah same i drink a lot of pinot yeah a lot of pinot that's why we get along so well exactly Pino, 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 Pino. Yeah. Well, that was one of the that, that was one of the main reasons when we were in France was to go through Burgundy when we did yeah. our road trip. So that we have not done yet. We've done Bordeaux a couple of times, but we have not been to Burgundy. That's uh, definitely on our list. Yeah, pretty high on that list. That's the mecca. That's the, what I hear. Although the prices in that area scare me. Yeah, but at least if you go for tastings and stuff, then um, you can taste. 
you can taste for free and and then whether you buy it or not is another story right yeah yeah exactly so that's funny you're funny how you're talking about you're getting your passion for wine and stuff because i mean you're a you're a cfo right correct yep that's my day job yeah so this is all 100 percent just just a passion it is yeah. yeah i mean i have the wine blog 10k bottles yeah but that's you know that's definitely not the day job you know that is just an outlet for me to share my thoughts on wine and the experiments we do and all those types of things it's you know it's not something we try to monetize actually pretty intentionally it's it's mm-hmm. really just a genuine this is what we think about wine and those types of things yeah it's interesting how you call it 10k bottles as well because i always refer to it as 10k bottles as opposed to <laughs> 10,000 bottles yeah which is the your your play on words Correct. But it's it's funny how I, I always just when I see your your messages or whatever I was oh ten k bottles <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how I, that's what I call it yeah that's funny yeah that's a that's a good I like your blog as well it's it's uh it's cool are you um do you like natural wines at all um the hot, no, I don't the hot topic of the day so yeah you know I don't I don't have an opinion to be honest I mean yeah. you know I I'm usually pretty loyal to the the winemaker and. A, you know, that the producer of a wine, um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily loyal to specific basics like style. It's I, yeah. I, I, agree. I, yeah. I love, I love meeting a winemaker and hearing yeah. his story and yeah. how he became a winemaker or what, he, what he's passionate about. And then that's, and then I basically follow his wines. That's usually and, what I drink. And the thing is, if you're meeting a winemaker and you know, he is, all over how you know he's all all consuming how he he's all over how he makes his wine he's all over like he's very much you know hands-on and if it's you know minimal intervention and it's a small producer and you're talking to him and you know he you know that he's he's gonna create the best thing possible because Mm -hmm. it's not just some machine and it's not just harvested by you know a bunch of machines and thrown in a bunch of things and you got some guy who's actually fully invested in the in the wine you know you're going to get your best your best out of it well i mean one of the stories i i tell all the time is um so my favorite pinot my favorite favorite pinot is franny beck out of willamette valley it's i drink far more of that wine than i would like to actually publicly admit um and uh, he has this great story. He says that he started making wine on the East coast. And when he started winemaking, he's like, I did everything to wine that you should never, ever do. So when he came over to the West and he was one, he was making completely his own wine. He's like, I wanted to do none of that. I wanted to make wine right. And so I, to me, that's who I want to drink wine from. I want to drink his wine. I'm supporting the right behavior, Correct. right? I'm supporting the, t- the type of wine that I think should be made. You know, yes, there are giant producers who can make wine that tastes fine, but what they're doing to it to make it taste that way isn't what you should be doing to wine, right? Yeah. And so that's not the kind of wine I want to drink. And so I'll, I will pay. I, I love small producers. That's pretty much everything we buy is going to be a small producer, except, you know, I won't say we don't have some first gross in our cellar out of France, but, but most of our stuff is from just super tiny producers. And it's because that's, I mean, I, I want to support the behavior of the winemaking that they have. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, like for us up here, uh, up in the Okanagan, that's a lot of our, almost everybody uh, that we deal with is small producers, you know, very, very hands-on, very focused and, and uh, mm-hmm. 
really, yeah, really invested in, in how they make wine. So, and don't get me wrong, there can be a small producer who can do a lot of bad things to wine too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, obviously, yeah. So it's not just being a small producer, but yeah, you know, it's that it's the passion for making it the right way. What have you got in your wine cellar? What have we got? Oh, yeah, we have a lot. I have a lot of Pinot. Yes, a lot of Pinot. Um, so we have a lot of so I have a lot of Pinot from Santa Barbara. Although we're quickly dwindling, we'll have to make another order um, with spring coming up. Um, we have we have some from Napa. It's just the cost has definitely escalated. Mm. Um, I love the wines off of Howell Mountain. You know, so we've got a lot of the Red Cap and things like that sitting in our cellar. I'm trying to I'm trying to go through the cellar. My husband loves Sauternes. So we have a lot of Sauternes, which are um, out of France. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we definitely have some older stuff. Uh, Let's see, from Napa, we have some uh, Diamond Creek, which would be interesting to see how that, how those age and if they hold up. Um, We definitely have a lot, we have a lot of uh, wines out of France. A lot of, we have a few of the first growths. Um, Latour is like our favorite wine in the whole wide world. What else do we have? Like our prize bottle, not prize bottle, but like the, the bottle that I love that we have in our cellar is a 1942 Doisy Dane, which is a Sauternes out of France. Mm, cool. And the, reason, and the reason why we love this bottle is because when these grapes were grown, these were Nazi-occupied fields. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's like history in a bottle. Like I, we, I don't know if we'll ever open it just because it's such, a, it's a, such an interesting story and it's such a great way to relate to wine and how wine is really a piece of history sitting in a bottle. Yeah. Because whether that wine is amazing because that's all this winemaker could focus on during what was going on in the time or if it's just terrible because of the environment that was going on in the time and the fact that, you know, they were occupied. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but it's just whatever that answer is, it's sitting in that bottle. Yeah. And it's so I, that's why I mean, those that's that's like my favorite when people usually ask me about wine and my passion for wine. That's a story I usually tell because I feel like that encapsulates the 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 whole thing around it right it's yeah. it's not just a box of franzia wine that you brought home and you want to get drunk right yeah. there's wine is it's special and it's unique and it's history and there's so much that goes into that bottle when wine is made right have you listened to my podcast with jason wise at all no i haven't he's a big history guy and i mean as as you know in the song films that his take on history and his take on wine that's like that's like his passion so he he always talks about you know especially like you said about nazi occupied france and you know alsace and and how you know you've got one one generation that speaks german one generation that speaks french one generation that speaks alsatian mm-hmm. dialect you know and they none of them can talk to each other you know none of them can because of the time period that they lived in they're all learning different languages and stuff and the history that goes along with it yeah yeah, I mean it's fast. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I take it you've seen the Psalm films. I have, I have, I haven't seen the most recent one though. You just released it, I guess, in December. So mm-hmm. I would highly suggest listening to that that chat with him because uh, it's very informative, and he talks about Pinot a lot. So, <laughs> so that's another good reason. Everybody loves Pinot. Everybody loves Pinot. Everybody yeah. loves Pinot. Um, would that be your, would that be your desert island grape that if you only had one grape, would that be the one? It would be, it definitely would be mine. I, my husband would have a different answer. So hopefully we both get an answer Yeah. if we are on a desert island, but yeah, that would definitely be mine. Yeah. My husband, it's funny. Uh, you know, at night when we come home, he almost just won't ask me, what do you want to drink? 
he'll just go get something because he know he knows if I go get it, I'll get a Pinot. Mm. He knows if he asks me for my opinion, I'm going to tell him I want a Pinot. So he basically will go down and pick something before uh, he asks for my opinion. What was that producer that you said that was one of your favorites? Franny Beck. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, you'll definitely have to. And you have to tell him I sent sent you to him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're planning uh, perhaps in the summer, we're planning a uh, California road trip. So um, go for a little drive. Yeah. Yeah. Check. yeah. He has a tasting room now. When I visited him for the first time, he didn't have a tasting room yet. Um, but he, So I have not seen his new tasting room, but he does have a tasting room now. Cool. That's all I got, I think. All righty. The only other thing I was thinking about was if you wanted to do a giveaway, do a book giveaway. I'm ha totally happy to. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let me think about that because I've done a couple of giveaways and I haven't got as big a response as I thought. So I'm now debating not doing them at all. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. No, the other thing, if you want, if you want me to send you just a few books, like five books or something, if you want to just give them to people who are on your show, you're welcome to do that too, just to help get it mm. into like influential wine people. Yeah, that's I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Do you, I mean, so if you want me to just send you like five books. And they can send it to uh, people on the show or whatever. Yeah. Be like, Hey, and you don't have to like announce that you're doing it on the show. Just tell them, you know, thanks for being on the show. If you'd like, I can send you. Yeah. Book. Yeah. Let me, let me, yeah, cause I mean, cause you have great people on your show. Like if you could have sent my book to Madeline, I would, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. She's uh she's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm happy to do that. Cool. We, uh, we actually hung out, we, Madeline and I hung out when the third Psalm film came out, there was a screening up in Vancouver and we actually hung out at the screening cause she came up for the screening. Uh -huh. Yeah. Her, her books are, especially from the graphic design side of it too. They're just so, yeah. they're illustrated so well and stuff that, uh, just makes it so easy to read, you know, and, and learn. Well, it does. And it helps to just. You know, I think there's this whole, everybody thinks wine is so complicated and don't get me wrong, it is, but you, there are ways that you can break it into chunks that are understandable and, and, you know, Little, yeah, I, I like, I do like the way that she does it. She does, she does a fantastic job. Of course, I, you know, we're, my husband and I are not Zoms. We don't have any intent of becoming one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we, we've kind of, we've kind of stepped away from that deep learning of wine and I'm like I just want to drink what I like yeah and so let me figure out what I like about wine right which is different from what you like and so a lot of our process right now is how do I figure out what I like about wine why do my, why does my husband like cab and I like pinot yeah you know or those those types of things so that's really where you know I'm I'm not trying to correctly identify the color of the glass I'm like do I like the wine or not and so our, our process, has, especially over the past like six months, and has been very, very different. So we do a lot of blind tastings. Mm -hmm. um, last week, in fact, we actually did a fascinating tasting that I'll put a blog out on hopefully soon, where we took, so the, the, the classification, the, the Bordeaux classification of 1855, where they have the first to the fifth gross, mm -hmm. right? So we took one year, 1996, we took a first through a fifth growth, all for, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and fifth growth. Um, and an unclassified, unclassified Bordeaux, and we blind tasted them all to see whether or not we could tell the difference. I, so, I need to do I need to do more blind tasting myself as well because uh, when we go to tastings, a lot of times you know you know what's in front of you, but I think like my wife's the same way where she she knows what she likes and will buy something 
and generally is you know the most expensive thing there because that's how she rolls. So <laughs> it's like, oh, this one's really good. Of course it is. Fifty four dollars. Of course it is. Exactly. I like this, but I like this one. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, we always we always joke about that, but but it, um, but it's always hard. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to know how much of that is being influenced by the price. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you think the wine tastes better because you just you were just told it was fifty four dollars? Yeah. That one she we found out later as we got as we got yeah. the bill when we got home that it was actually fifty four dollars a bottle. So uh, <laughs> that's when I was like, of course, of course, it was the one you like. Of course, that's the one you like. As I get the bill yeah. and it's yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. I uh, I had a lot of fun with this. No, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, and um, we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Okay. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a glass for me.